0: Welcome to the Business Done Differently podcast, where we believe whatever is normal, do the exact opposite, and that standing out is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Jesse Cole, and it's showtime. Today's guest is the one and only singer and songwriter, Stephen Kellogg. Stephen has released 17 albums, performed over 2,000 shows, and received a Grammy nomination. He's given a TEDx talk on finding joy and satisfaction work and has a new book coming out in 2020 titled Objects in the Mirror. Stephen is living proof of the power of having fun, doing things differently, and creating fans in unique ways. I've been a fan since the first performance I saw back in college, and Stephen, I am just so pumped to have you on the show, my friend. I'm glad to be here, Jesse. It's so cool that we've been able to connect because I give a context to listeners, and we've developed a great base here. He's been listening to the show for the last few years, but all right, Jesse, well, Stephen Kellogg, how'd you connect with this? And and it was back in college that my buddy said, you got to check out Stephen Kellogg and the Sixers. They put on a really fun show. I never heard your music, but he convinced me to go. It was Club Passim or Club Passim in Boston, little small club. And we're actually sitting next to one of the performers from Dispatch. And he's like, dude, that's the guy from Dispatch. I'm like, who's Dispatch? You know, I'm not a big music guy. (laughs) And all of a sudden, Stephen, you put on a heck of a show. And I heard one song prior to that he played me was Take Me Into Town which was an old song that you played way back in the day. Yeah, and 90. for the listeners to know, I sent it up to you. You greeted all the fans when they were leaving. You and the band thanking everyone. And I said, hey, do you ever play Take Me Into Town? And you turned and said, wait till everyone leaves and I'll play it for you. And every single person left I waited about 20 minutes. And you grabbed the three guys in the band, four guys. You're like, guys, we're you going to play Take Me Into Town. They're like, we haven't played that in forever. And you were like, well, let's just do it. Me and my buddy sat down and you played it. And I was like, how unbelievable is this? You created a fan for life that day. And I started sharing your songs and everything. And we connected back six months ago. You came down this area and, and we talked. And I'm sharing that because that's creating fans in such a unique way. And I think you've went from the grind of how you started to all the way here. And you're still doing it today. And I appreciate you. And I think I'd love to hear how this all happened. I know I just gave that big opening soliloquy. No,
1: I mean, it's great. And it's great to hear. Like Because when I ran into you last spring and you, or last summer and you brought it up, I didn't specifically remember doing that, but it's so lovely to think that you plant a seed like that and here it comes back to blossom almost whatever. Was that 15 years ago? <laughs> it or was
0: something? a while back. It was a yeah. while back. Well, it taught me and what I do here is just try to create those fans in special ways. How do you show them that you care and you'll go the extra mile? So yeah, know, let's get some context because you've been playing over 2,000 shows. I want to know how it started because you had to grind. What did you do differently as you started? You're like, I'm going to start playing music. Tell me that route yeah, a little bit. I mean... I sometimes don't know. It's tricky because all of a sudden you're here
1: and this is your life and it's been your life for two decades. But I started out after college, I thought, well, I I won't be able to play music, so I'll go work in the music business. I don't know exactly why I thought that way. I just, I played music in college and everything, but I thought, oh, this is going to be too hard to make it. I believed a lot of the, well, what are you really going to do kind of mentality. But then I went and worked in the business, and no regrets about that. I learned a good amount working for a promoter for a couple of years. But I just realized, and I say this in my TED Talk, it's better to be at the bottom of a ladder you want to climb than the top of one that you don't. And I got that from the office. I didn't make that up. But it's so true. And I realized I was happier playing at a steakhouse for three hours and getting paid $150 than I was promoting big concerts and making better money than that anyway probably early 2000s i started on that road of just like all right i'm gonna i guess i'll go out and give this a swing but then you just kind of opening shows you just saying yes that was like probably the biggest thing it's just yes 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 i'll do this i'll do that and i remember my parents would sometimes ask like is it really worth it to drive to all the way down to virginia for fifty dollars to do this half hour and i'm like i don't know uh, yes, I guess, you know, but it was in the immediate, it wasn't always worth it. But in the big picture, you do enough of that, and eventually stuff starts to break. And we got signed to a record label and then got to start playing some bigger shows. And then we had suddenly had some fans, and then you ride it, and it's peaks yeah. and valleys. And but suddenly we're here.
0: Well, I'm fascinated on how you build a following because it's something that I don't want to share with you. Our big vision is to take the Savannah Bananas on the road and take them all over and put the show on for everyone. And I think a lot of people, not just us, know how do you build a following? And I'd love to know some of the things that you were da- doing to get people to join your mailing list or become a part, build that relationship with these fans yeah. as you were touring.
1: Yeah. A couple things that have really been important to me always. That one was just Be real be authentic, Mm -hmm. you know, tell people the truth. So when I go to a show and I ask someone to sign the mailing list, I'm not like, hey, kind of, if you, maybe anybody want to, you know, I say to them, if you enjoyed this, I want to stay in touch with you. I will make these newsletters entertaining, informative, and they won't come too often. They'll come just the right amount. If it's of interest, please take the time to sign it because it matters. And that's true. I can't It's very hard as an independent artist now to stay in touch with people if I can't reach them. So part of making fans was letting people know where it's at and being honest about what your motives were for staying in touch. Why do you want them to get a record? It's not just so you can get 10 bucks. It's like you want to be in people's lives. It means a lot. Letting them know you means a lot to me that you're here at this concert tonight. I'd love for you to take a piece of it home with you. And I think sometimes there's a tendency to not want to be too salesy, yes, or feel like you're beating people over the head with a message. And I've just always believed if you really believe in your product, I know this is how you are too, Jesse. It's like you believe so much in what you're doing that you say, "Look, I'm not trying to sell you anything you don't want. I want you to be able to see the Savannah bananas because you're going to love it. You're going to have a great time." Yeah, because you believe. Yeah, so I'm really sometimes I wonder if I'm being too forthcoming about things. and But I really try to be, shoot really straight with people at all times so they always know that if I'm saying something, it gives more weight to the
0: words. When um, you were coming up, when you were starting, any stories stand out for you about the way you were able to connect with fans? I want to get into the performances in a little bit because those sure. are out. But any stories that's like, hey, you know what? This is something that we as a band did to really build this connection.
1: Well, we definitely suspected that quality was going to be as important or more important than quantity. Even early on when we were getting signed to Universal and Atlantic and the big labels, and you kind of have this dream in the back of your mind, like maybe I'm going to be a huge artist or something that everybody's going to know. Even when we were in that place, I think that it was more important to us to connect deeply with the people who were there than it was to sort of have a surface connection with a ton of people. That's a choice. You have to decide if world domination is your goal, then you've got to figure out how to connect (laughs) on a deep level with a lot of people. But one of the things that helped make it less overwhelming was let me work with who's in front of me. So if I showed up in Lawrence, Kansas, and there's 50 people there, I never treated it like, oh, there's only 50 people here. This is kind of a waste of time, you know? Mm. And I have worked with people over the years who view it that way, who say, cut all that crap out of the situation. Don't deal, if something's not... If the yield isn't big enough, don't bother. Mm. For me, in this particular thing that I'm doing, it's not so much about the quantity of people that I'm hitting. It's about how much can I mean to the people who are in front of me. And so I walk into that 50-person show, and I'm less concerned with how to turn it into 500 than I am how to make these 50 fans for life, like you're
0: talking about. I love it. You know, my wife, Emily, who you met, she said, uh, yeah. start teaching our staff, every game is someone's first game. I love that. And so every night we look at whoever it is, it's our first time, that interaction matters. So I, I love thinking about you. And I've seen you in shows with 50 people. I've seen you in shows with 500 people. And I've seen the way you connect, but are there certain things that you know, are applicable like, in how to connect? Or obviously the post show, you spend time and you connect with the fans. That's big but the pre-show during, what are some of the things that it's fascinating to me? And I'm so curious in how you've been able to grow such a loyal fan base, Stephen.
1: Thank you for saying all that, Jesse. And and I mean, this is, you and I, we talked a little bit about this this summer because one of the things I had to do for my own mental preservation was I don't spend quite as much time with yeah. fans as I used to. I just realized it was burning me down to a, a just a nub. I had to figure out How can I maintain a deep, meaningful connection with the people coming to the shows and not have them feel like I'm abandoning them, Yes. but also do what I need to do for my own soul and my own just to be okay and be able to keep doing it? And that's important. That's an important question, at least in this scenario, that really applied. What I usually think is what would I want? Yeah. What am I looking for? And I'm not necessarily always looking, I don't always need personal time with my favorite artists, but, but what were the things that were really important to me? And I wanted to feel like I knew what I was getting into. I wanted to feel like I knew when I go to a show, well, what's this show going to be and stuff. So I started writing a lot more to my fans. I started posting a lot more and it wasn't just to promote. It was to be like, here's a window into everything that were maybe, you might not hear it from my mouth, but you're going to see it in my Instagram. You're going to see it in my Facebook there will be opportunities along the way for whom it's very important to spend FaceTime with. I'll do some events where I'll say, hey, we're doing a meet and greet tonight. If you'd like to come to this, come early and we will we can chat. You can ask questions. We can get that picture if that's really important to you, whatever it is. <laughs> but I realized like, because at some point it gets to be so, a lot of people. And as I think you know, I'm or I've told you, I'm an introvert. And yeah. it's just like I realized I couldn't manage all these people without being able to starting to put like a
0: bad foot forward. I just get to, it's just too hard for me. Yeah. You find your medium. So now, yeah. as you, like I said, you're sharing it in your way, but you're sharing it in a very personal way. And I think that's a really big point. It's not just, hey, this Stephen Kellogg, this persona, like it's you, it's in your songs, but also as your Instagram, which has grown in your Twitter, you're saying, this is the things that are going on in my mind. And you're personal. That's because right. I want to go to a a little game deets about the tweet. You just tweeted this the other day. Some folks want you to stay who you were way back then. They'll hold you to a standard of who you were. Don't play for those people. Play for advancement. Play for the possibility of who you can be. I am. Although it's hard to say goodbye to some folks, it's glorious to evolve. There you go. When you wrote that, what were you thinking? I have
1: increasingly a number of people who are looking for a nostalgia trip. You know, like, hey, I saw you 20 years ago. and yeah. And you dance. Everybody was dancing in their underwear. And that's great. Like I have no regrets about these memories, Jesse. <laughs> I like that. And I know some of that stuff spoke to you and that's what brought you in. Yeah. What I do know is that I'm not going to do any of that anymore yeah. because it, it wouldn't be true. It was true then. That's who yeah. I was then. Now I have a lot of other things that I'm sharing and I think they're as good or I dare say much better and as entertaining and everything. So not everybody's going to be able to come on that trip. But I do occasionally run into folks who just are hungry for, you know, I haven't seen you in 15 years, but what about this and that and stuff? And I just can't do that for them and I, because it's it wouldn't be authentic. I don't mind that they're asking for it, but it's like, and not a lot of people are asking for it, but to your, I'm being a little circuitous about this, but because I don't want to like throw shade. But what had happened was someone I used to work with had made a few comments that kind of hurt my feelings. And when I checked in, they were really locked into something I had done, a way I had handled the situation five years ago. And I just thought, that's five years ago, you're bringing it up for the first time now. And I'm glad to hear it. But that's not who I like, you can't be, all you can do is say, Oh, okay, I handled that poorly, but I'm much different now.
0: Yeah. I love the play for advancement. In that line, There, play for advancement, it's you're moving forward and the reinventing. And we lost baseball fans, Steven. Like we lost, like people that loved baseball, we lost them because people that wanted the entertainment and we've evolved and we're going to continue to reinvent and you have to. So I respect that so much and even more so because yes, and I do want to briefly go there back on to the old days and some of the things that we did because it created attention. It created a lot of attention and we've Mm -hmm. been into it. You create attention and then you get people into you and then, wow, I really like what's behind all this. And I bet you a lot of the people, I was like, wow, this was fun, this is big. He means something. There's something deeper here. It's not just a show, a circus show, like we say. And so I think that's key. And I think you've got a fan base, and now people, it's like, they're going along the journey, and you're developing new fans. But if you don't create attention at all, then you're in trouble because you don't have anyone with you. Of course. No, you you have to. And basically what
1: happened for me, Jesse, is that band, the Sixers, There were a bunch of us. So we were able to do more of a circus. The entertainment was kind of what created the attention with that band. When the band went away not of my choosing necessarily i had to adjust yeah and what i eventually arrived at was i'm going to create attention with really compelling stories yeah, yeah. i'm going to tell you things and funny things you know there'll be it's not all just heavy heartfelt but some that's part of it but a lot of it's funny things it started to be like i'm going to use my words to create attention i'm going to get up and the show became much more of a storyteller's kind of show and I realized this I can do by myself. I don't need a whole band of guys because I didn't have a band. It yeah. wasn't even an option for me, 100%. you know? It was still the same ideas, yeah. but it was just what we were using as bait changed. You know?
0: Well, there's two things that you had to think differently on a show. A typical show, someone just plays music. And I've seen you both ways. Six months ago, where you actually had a hat and you, had, you picked little things, and it was like a song choice. It was a song about love. You involved the fans in that. If you don't remember, I was the first one to yell out a song. I was right on that. But that was involving the fans. That's not normal. I was sitting there, I was like, they're literally involving the group in deciding what songs are going to be played. That's yeah. so cool. That's so fans first.
1: I loved it. I ended up doing it the rest of the year,
0: too. How did that come about? Because I want to talk about that, and then even back in the day, you delivering a performance in a different way. Yeah, well, I didn't want the shows to be the same. I feel like you have to keep...
1: Because eventually someone's, you get a little sick. I just saw that. You get a little sick of, especially because my fans are now tend to be in middle age. And they've lived a lot of life. They've seen a lot of shows. They've had a lot of meals. They've done a lot of things at this point. So if you're just going to do the same thing, then all that is, is the occasional nostalgia. And someone might not need that, but once every five years. I feel like if I can create a new canvas every time I go out, Every time the tour happens, this is what we're doing on this tour, this is what's going to happen on this tour, then you never want to miss what's next. It's not the same stuff. You can't miss it, and hopefully then people will come multiple times each year and I'll be able to reach more people. And so the idea to pull songs out of a hat came just because necessity is the mother of invention, and I was like, what are we going to do? How am I going to do this tour with Tyrone? We wanted to go out together, but Tyrone Wells and I – We have our own thing. It wouldn't necessarily blend well, and I didn't want there to be any ego in it. So this idea came to me that if we did this, we'd both be up there. It would be entertaining. And it ended up surpassing my expectations because the fans loved it, and I loved it. And it was an excuse to play songs I would never play. and yeah, I mean, it kind of changed everything
0: I'm planning to do moving forward because it's just been such a good... It's worked so well. You it, know. It's a creator's dream. You never know what's going to happen. And that, I think yeah. you said it so well. How does anybody create, oh, you don't want to miss this. You don't know what's going to happen. You have no idea what's next. And I think that's, we call them, you wouldn't believe moments. We want people to come to the ballpark and say, you wouldn't believe what I saw at the stadium tonight. The breakdancing first case coach, the male cheerleading team, whatever it is.
1: I love it. The weddings, you guys do. You have, I mean, I've enjoyed reading. I read your book and I've enjoyed uh, following along since then and stuff.
0: Think. That's, I think, that's such a key point. It's that you start thinking, all right. I want people to come again next year and see something different. And so many performers, so many artists, so many musicians, it's the same show. And often it sounds the same as the radio, which I don't necessarily think is a good thing. I, you want something new. You want the jams. You want the... In- and so I'd love to go back and just on how you started coming up with that. Because yes, back with the Sixers, there were things I never saw on stage. From the movie quotes in the middle of songs to the water chug-offs to, the, yes, the dancing and the underpants. Great memories, great memories. It was wild. I'm really trying to figure out, and we teach people, is how to come up with ideas. And you came up with really different mindsets to put on a show. How did that collaboration happen? Well, these were my ideas.
1: This is just who I am. I'm a pretty, like, I have a goofy personality. I have a sense. Yeah, I think we all have our aces, right, that we bring to the table. And one of my aces, the connection thing. I can feel when the room is with me and when it's not with me. And I've i got a a strong radar for that. So a lot of those ideas back in the day would come about because the music, itself wasn't actually that strong at that point to be honest in my opinion I know it meant something to it means something to people that's great I'm not throwing shade at myself, <laughs> but I would go in and I could feel sometimes that we didn't have the songs yet we had some of the songs I have a following and all but it wasn't like we couldn't get it done that way always so people the place would get chatty yes and you would be like, all right, something's gonna happen it wasn't very premeditated it's just It's when doing something and then when it would work, we'd be chugging bottles of water and suddenly the crowd would quiet down and turn back towards us. And you just make a mental note. Oh, that worked. (laughs) And then you start using these things. And they all came from a place of genuine inspiration. Like I think we were jamming on that song 13 and I started that you can't dance in your underpants. You don't stand a chance. And then I probably said to Like, all right, does a goose want to dance? And then he went into a spontaneous moment, and then the crowd went wild, and then you go, oh, wow, this is something. And so you end up repeating it because it worked. What happened was as the years went on and the music got stronger and stuff, we would feel like we were interrupting the thing that we – it started to feel like we were becoming actors, and we Uh were never actors. It was always authentic until it wasn't. And then when it wasn't, these things had become – become reliable – Crutches would be the worst adjective, but they've kind of become crutches at that point. And you just feel like it takes people that might get more out of the music if you didn't take it in this weird left turn place, because that just stopped being what I wanted to do at yeah. some point. So we moved away from it. And it did, wasn't like overnight, like we're too good for that or something. It just stopped. Anytime something stops being real, including the story, I try to have the courage to move it out of the space and then. If I'm not connecting, it's like, okay, what's the new thing that we're going to do here?
0: Uh, There's two two cool pieces there. Because one, I know this from you. You notice when someone in the crowd is not fully in tune. And I also, when I'm here, I'm constantly thinking 4,000 fans. Is someone bored for a second, even at 530 before the game? And you notice that. And it can make you go to a negative spot if you don't, but can also push you to get even better at what you do. And so I'm constantly focused All right all right, there's a boring moment. There's dead air. There should never be dead air in a stadium. And you see that. And so it's like, how can you put yourself in your customer's shoes or your fan's shoes? And yeah. s- like, all right, are they leaning in? Are they back? And then experiment constantly. Is that how you built this experimentation? Yeah. I mean, that was totally it. And I had been a, a
1: Grateful Dead fan as a kid, and I loved that they would have a different set list every night. But at some point, I realized musically, wasn't gonna be on the level of the Grateful Dead. Like it wasn't even that interested in the playing of the music. I just wanted the canvas to, to look different every night. So to do that, it became this ongoing adventure to like, okay, now we know we have the dance, we have the stuffed animals, we have the movie quotes, we have this. You just gather them. And then you just pick each night the ones that feel the most right for that night. And you go on that and you every night's a new canvas. And then at some point sometimes you retire moves and you gather new ones and you know that's kinda like and suddenly at twenty years in you go, Wow, we got a lot of moves. We got a lot of great <laughs> places we can take a show on any given night. I wanna point out your thing of what do fans hate and let's not do that. Like I have applied that a lot moving forward because I realized all my people don't want to go they don't want the shows to start at nine thirty or ten at night anymore. These are people in their thirties, forties, fifties coming to the they want an early show. They don't want to have to sit around buying a whole bunch of drinks that they can on a Tuesday night. Like that just doesn't work for these. So we've actually taken a bunch of measures where we've, we got rid of like ticketing fees coming up that we're going to be doing. I'm not sure if we're going to fully pull it off, but the goal is for every show to start at 730 on the uh, upcoming tour, which I just think that consistency and being able to say to people, we understand where you're at in your life and we feel you and we want to meet that. Like, I got that from you and it's really been, people seem very excited about what's coming up.
0: That's so cool and I appreciate it because it's literally listening, Like, all right, if I'm that customer, that fan, what would I want? And so I want it earlier. And then the fees and stuff. I mean, no one gets excited about that. So how can you eliminate that? And then you'll develop bigger fans. That's so good to hear. What are some of these experiments that were like, I mean, I just heard about the lyric boards and some of the things that you've done that you didn't even think would work. Tell me some of these experiments that of things that you're selling or don't sell that worked or didn't work that you were well, throwing. I mean, the
1: lyric boards is a crazy one. So we, I don't know if you have these in your house, but we have like little, these kind of like brushboard things that have little sayings on them, like home is wherever you are or whatever. And yeah, yeah, yeah. we hang them in our foyer and they make us feel cozy. So a couple of fans as I was traveling around, had made these using my lyrics and would show them to me like, look, I created this. And usually these people had a real artisans who had made these beautiful boards. And I'm like, wow, that would be kind of cool as like a higher end item to be able to offer our people. So my wife and I spent a whole weekend. We bought all this stuff. We're trying to make these really nice looking boards. And After two and a half days of like banging my head against the wall, I was like, I'm not like handy in this way. I can't (laughs) do this. And she can't either. So we're like, these things look terrible. But we had invested some thousand bucks or something in all these boards and all this stuff. So I said, well, I don't want to completely lose the money. So let me, I'll just take out a paint pen and I'll write quotes of mine from my lyrics that have meant something and I'll doodle. my doodles aren't cute. I don't think they look good. I mean, I'm a pretty bad penmanship. So I had no expectation. I put 15 up to start and we sold them all in like less than 10 minutes. I just like threw out a picture. didn't make a big deal of it. Just said, Hey, spent the weekend doing these and everybody bought them. And then people are emailing, how do I get one? How do I get one? So, so I did some more and those went just like that too. And I kind of wanted to say to everybody like, really? Like, you don't mind my crappy handwriting? Like, this is okay with you? But it's not really my decision to make. People were digging these things. So I just made as many as I could make before I went on tour. I took them out and we sold them all out. And granted, this is a small boutiquey thing. I don't know what, I sold them for a few weeks and we sold 100 or 125 of them. But this is the kind of thing I would have never known that this was enough, that people actually like having my, in my handwriting. I wasn't seeing it clearly. It was just an experiment. It sells in a pure business way. It's good for them because they get something really special. And we're not charging exorbitant rates, but we charge a premium for it. And then it ends up helping us because it's actually, you know, if you think about the profit margin on a CD or a t-shirt, it's very low. So this actually helps us stay in business. So it's a win-win all across the board. I love uh, it.
0: Yeah. In the marketplace, we'll tell you. And it's end these experiments. I mean, we're constantly thinking about that. And one thing I noticed, I don't know if this was started as an experiment, but really cool. And it's still going. The family barbecue. Yeah. Tell me about that because you never hear of an artist saying, oh, I'm having a family barbecue. Tell me the concept of this because I'm literally thinking, how can I have a family barbecue and invite our fans? Like, it's fascinating. For us,
1: I think I was reading a Willie Nelson biography when I came up with this, but it was a summer where we didn't end up having as much work as we should have had and we knew we had to come up with some ideas. So many ideas have come this way because you're like, (laughs) ah, what are we going to do? And Then, boom, you get an idea. So... I was, Willie Nelson would do this 4th of July concert and he would invite all the bands that he was, had a kinship with. And he called it the 4th of July family picnic, something similar. So I thought, what could we do on our scale that we had that exists right now, that would be awesome? And what I came up with was, why don't we do this weekend where we all stay in the same hotel, we play a whole bunch of sets of music we play lawn games. We have tug of war, water balloon toss. There's a home run derby, wiffle ball, home run derby. We'll have prizes. We'll play a little acoustic set during the day for people who have kids. We'll have a burger. We can chat, especially because because I don't go out and haven't for seven or eight years now to the merchandise every night. And not everybody get, has seen me or been able to catch up with me. I thought this is great because it's a weekend when I will mentally prepare to just Be with everybody all weekend, and we will like, we can chat and hang. And we can do this because it's not a huge event in terms of numbers. You know, we keep it, last year we had 500, which felt like a lot, but you still, you're in it for two and a half days. So you do have a, I'm always out there, you can walk up. And I just thought that's the kind of thing I would want to do with the artists I really dig. Mm. So we built it, and this will be our 10th year of doing it. We're doing it in Washington, D.C. this year. And one year because It's been profitable in mixed ways. Sometimes it's not that profitable. And so one year I'm having a conversation with my manager about should we continue this? And one of my daughters overhears it and goes, Dad, this is a lot of people's favorite weekend of the year. You have to do it. Mm. And that's kind of the metric that matters right there. You know, like she said that and I'm like, you're right. I'm an ass. Of course we got to do this. Whether we make money on this or not, we got to do this because this is the kind of thing that makes fans for life, like you're talking about. We show up. Your whole family's a part of it, all the girls? They come. I think they've missed one or two, but they we try to have them there, down there, and, and Kirsten comes, and the girls will sit in with me on stage. And They've gotten to know fans, and people come from all over the world. So it's like you get – got a fan from London who always comes. People come from it's all throughout the U.S. It's like so – They see these people once a year and it builds a community. Friendships, lasting friendships come out of this.
0: It's so powerful because we believe love is better than like. And to have a hundred people that absolutely love you versus thousands that like you, it's much stronger to have that tribe. And I don't know many artists who are building it like that. I mean, is there any more cool things that happen during? I mean, it sounds like it's just everyone just having fun, food, drinks, hanging out. What does it look like?
1: Well, yeah, and it's those things, and we let everybody vote on, like, pick an album, and I'll play that album beginning to end, and <gasps> that's a fan-voted thing. So one of the sets is that. So so people are they're voting together. They're talking to each other on the socials and stuff like that because they're just, like, they're saying, like, hey, let's – oh, well, I want to hear this one. Oh, that would be fun. You know, it begins way before the actual weekend itself. It begins in the dialogue that's happening – this year, a fan community sprung out of it, and they all started sending each other holiday cards. And I don't know how many people do this now, but it might be a couple hundred. And so, in some cases, you have people who just made 200 new friends you know,
0: out of just going to this one weekend.
1: And that's powerful stuff. You know? Oh, that's so
0: cool. I love the vote. I mean, however you can let them make decisions and feel like they're a part and take ownership, but you let them... Just- We let them pick our jerseys. We're even thinking about this year, how can we let our fans coach a game? Like actually take our coaches out of the dugout and let the fans make the decisions of what happens during the game.
1: That would be an amazing, I don't quite know how you do that, but you could break it up by inning and and whatever else. But that's the fun of it. Tom Petty said something when he was talking about building a set list that stuck with me, which I think applies here. He said, you have to get people ready to take what you want to give them. So, I'm not quite sure what that is for the bananas, but for Kellogg, I know I want to give them a little bit of wisdom in, over the course of a show. I know I want them to laugh, and I'd like to awaken something in their heartstrings. Like So those are three things that I know I want to give a listener at every show, right? So my job then is to create a landscape where that's possible, where they can participate and be involved, but I'm not completely at the mercy of... because. Sometimes people think they want you might show up. You haven't seen me in years. Maybe you show up and go, I just want to laugh tonight. That's what I want. But if I can give you that piece, but then open the gateways so that I can offer you some things that maybe you didn't know you needed. That to me is the powerful stuff. And that's what my goal is. And I'm not quite sure how that applies to the bananas, but I bet it does. You know, I bet there's a way to do that.
0: It applies to every business. If you think of wisdom, laugh, and heartstrings, which you just said, I mean, if you can provide a little bit of wisdom, you can make someone laugh and pray at their heart. You win. I think that's so powerful, my friend. Yeah, I could go on a lot of areas from that. I'll jump into uh, briefly in the book because I know you got this coming out. I know it's a reflection, but is there a message that you think could really share some wisdom that could help anybody that from the book that stands out for you?
1: Well, there's a lot, and the essays are kind of broken up there's an essay on marriage, there's an essay on friendship, there's an essay on forgiveness, one on integrity, one on work. So I broke them out. And as I say in the introduction, the goal isn't to say, do what I do. It's just, here's the best stuff that I found. Mm -hmm. And maybe it will help you. And that's the point of reading this book is that hopefully, in an entertaining way, I'm sharing things that I've learned along the way that could be of use to people. And that's what I like about David Sedaris or an Anne Lamott or an Elizabeth Gilbert. These are writers who can kind of make you laugh or cry and you're sort of being entertained. And then you realize that you got smarter for reading their book. That's what my goal is in my art in general now, currently. That's what I want to do with my life when I grow up here. That's the goal.
0: And your creator, and I do have a couple of games, Stephen, before we finish here. So, okay,
1: yeah, no, let's make sure we get to I'm up for the ride, Jesse. I know <laughs> no, you can
0: make it normal. All right, creators, you know, we're creators. I think a lot of obviously business entrepreneurs are creators. I don't want to ask the question, how do you create? But I'm fascinated on getting to creative spaces because we all have different things that get us to be able to get that. For you, you've written so many songs, you've found these great moments. What's your creative formula?
1: I'm a pretty melodramatic person in general. So I sort of live in a very emotional way. Like I'm just a wide open vessel. So I've had to kind of learn how not to be constantly overwhelmed when I'm creating. You know, like I could go out every day and be like, oh my God, that should be a song. This should be that. I got to turn this into that. And it can almost like, it can take the fun out of it. So to me, the goal with creativity is to have enough space to let there be fallow period, where you don't have to create every second of every day. Live a little bit, let some things happen. If you're not feeling creative on a given day, I don't make a big deal about it. It's like, I'm not like, oh, I'm not creative. I've lost it. Probably when I was younger, I did. It wasn't serving me. But, but the beauty of now is like, okay, we don't have to do that today. If I need to figure out how to feed my family, and I'm still not feeling creative, then I might sit down and try to jog it loose and call some friends and say, yeah, I'm looking for an idea. Any, What do you think? Any, You know, <laughs> you kick it around. You can shake it up when you have to, but sort of the muse should be allowed to rest as well. And just like, it's okay to kind of go. And then you have periods where you can't stop it, man. Well, mm-hmm. it's just, and I know, you know what I'm talking about where you're just rolling and you get so many good ideas in a short span. Yeah. And then you implement the ones that seem to work or seem to resonate And you know, you still got 10 good ideas that didn't. And you file those away. And maybe on that day when you can't think of anything, you revisit them. I love it. But it's really like, it's just trying to ride that wave where it is and be with
0: it. it. Giving yourself space. You can't force creativity is so important. And I think it's also getting into different environments. I don't know if it helps for you, but I envision myself literally at that family barbecue with all you guys. And I envision myself, my creative juices flowing because I'm in a different environment. I'm with different people. And I think- You should come. Come.
1: Oh man! If you're around that busy season, but you, I'd season. love to have you as my guest.
0: Man. Yeah, hit no, it's, it's, a word if you and Emily want to come. It sounds great. All right, so many good stuff. All right, we're gonna go to our first game. This is, this is actually very ironic. I do it with every guest, but okay. it's a game called Truth and Dare. So Truth okay. and Dare. Which one would you like first? Truth. <laughs> okay, let's feel choose this. All right, going into failure and discovery. I look at all failure is discovery. It's what did you discover? And so I'm very intrigued on what people may have said, hey, it wasn't that good, but you discovered something that was like, wow, this is gonna push me to the next level.
1: Sure. Without making this too long-winded, I'll tell you, and this story's in the book, in 2011, the last Sixers record, I recorded a song with a producer out in LA who had all these hit songs, and we basically plagiarized I can't go into all the details right now, but it was inadvertent. But there was also this formula of, like, hey, we're going to take this Paul Simon song and kind of do an updated version. And it all was a, this awful, slimy process that I just, and the label was kind of in favor of, like, you got to work with this guy. And he was having success with all these songs that sounded like other people's songs. So I found myself in this murky, gray, awful territory. And in the end, we recorded this song, and people said, "Ah, oh, this is gonna be good." And as soon as we let other people hear it, I was like, "I can't. This isn't for me." So I had a Jerry Maguire thing. Went had to said like, "Pull this. Like we're re- I'm gonna rewriting this song. We're redoing this. I don't want anything to do with this. Like it just feels. It, it was technically. It's not like I was gonna get sued, but it was like, eh, I don't like being here, right?" So I'm in my, uh, this is my professional low point. This is an absolute failure. And I am told the label, look, if you insist on this, the radio is not going to play you anymore. And I said, that's fine because I'm not going to be able to sleep at night if I don't pull this single. And we were both right. I didn't really, it kind of killed my momentum that I had at that point in my career with the radio, but I was fine. Like I knew who I was. I learned That you got to pay attention to those little voices in your head. I'm not perfect. I don't always make the right decision. And you can actually unwittingly find yourself making questionable judgments. That's okay. When you realize you've made a bad choice, you got to undo it. So, in terms of integrity, I mean, that was a failure that taught me one of the most important lessons in my life. And I wouldn't trade it, it sucked. But it's so over now. I mean, eight years later, like, nobody. Okay. I'm the one talking about it. I'm the one sharing it because it's a useful yeah. anecdote that can
0: teach people some important lessons, you know. Right. So now you're staying true to yourself. You're writing things that mean you, that are authentic, that are real. You'll no not do anything that's those murky waters anywhere.
1: Yeah. And I didn't before and I didn't really after, but it was like I had to kind of make this mistake to true to learn it. And other artists have gone with it and they go with it. And then they get sued and they I just couldn't live like that. You know, you can do it, but it's not for me. And I don't
0: think it's for a lot of people. You know, I love so. it. All right. You ready for the dare? Yeah. All right. So don't worry. I'm not going to make it one of yours. But we do this at the stadium. And it's called the sing-off. We have 2,000 fans versus 2,000 fans. We play a song. When the song finishes, you have to finish that song lyric. I'm going to your childhood here. All right. I'm going okay, back to I'm you. ready. I'm ready. So when Hit it me. stops, we got to finish that song lyric. Here we go. Do I just sing the last lyric? Yes, that's correct. Okay. Here on. we go. <laughs>
1: Oh, God, this is so high. (laughs) Living on a prayer. Take my hand and we'll make it, I swear. Whoa, living on a prayer. (laughs) You nailed it, my friend. I was
0: like, if you don't get this, we're in trouble.
1: (laughs) You know I sang that song with Richie Sambora. Like, I got the call one night from Richie's manager. I was in South Carolina, actually. And I got the call. Hey, Richie wants to know if you want to sing living on a prayer, because we've met a couple times at tomorrow night's show. Do you want to learn it? And I said, I don't have to learn living on a prayer. I know it. And I went down and I sang the second verse and chorus with him at this show. I have a uh, picture. I'll send it. It was an incredible moment. That's so
0: cool. I know you referenced Bon Jovi in your TED talk, talking about as a kid you wanted to be with the leg kick and everything. So I was like, I'm going to go old school here. So No.
1: That's well done.
0: That's the best ever of a truth and dare. You absolutely killed it, my friend. Okay. All right. Okay. We're going to go rapid fire to finish here, all right? Okay. Marketing Minute. Marketing Minute. What was the best thing you think you've done to grow your fan base? Good. Write good songs. <laughs> Make a good product. Great job. All yeah. right. Flip the script. You are now the host of Business Done Differently. You can ask me one question.
1: Okay. How do you keep the air in the balloon? Obviously, like you're such a, like you got to constantly come up with new ideas. What do you do to keep things fresh, like in a way that you can sustain this job for years and decades to come?
0: It took me almost to a low point. About a year ago, I was like struggling. I was getting close. I was like, man, I'm constantly rolling, constantly rolling. And I started writing down what are the things that give me energy? I created my energy list. And so I wrote down, what are the things that am giving me energy? And for me, it's creating, sharing, and growing. And I have different variations of what those are. And with the days that I'm not doing that, I'm in trouble. So I started looking at my calendar. How much am I creating? Am I sharing our story? And am I growing, learning, reading, doing? So I adjusted that. So now every day when I go home, I still have energy you know, I want to do more of it because I'm doing the things that give me energy. sounds that's like it's it. but I mean, there's so many times people end up doing, it's like, what am I doing? Like, I don't enjoy this. I don't like this.
1: You Look just give, you burn out on things that you're not, that are not like your. Exactly. yep. Yeah.
0: So mine's being around creators. I'm around creators that fires me up because I come up with ideas. So that's a great yeah. question. All right. Question time. If you want better answers, you need to ask better questions. One question I've heard you ask, know why you are working, know why you're doing what you're doing. Are there any other questions that you ask either yourself or others?
1: Any other questions that I ask myself or others? I mean, this is a lame answer, but one of the biggest questions I have is about the analytical data of how to reach more people with music. Like the, I'm such an analog guy that this whole algorithm nation that we live in has really thrown me for a loop. Everything I always did was so grassroots that I'm now, like, I don't really understand how we're supposed to reach more people on Spotify other than like luck. Like I know it's playlists and things, but how do I, without devoting my life to learning this one thing, how do we infiltrate into the thing so that more people can hear our music? Because I don't actually believe that the limitations on our audience are as due to the product as they are to just our lack of ability to kind of crack in and get more, break into the,
0: algorithms and stuff and understand how to do that i'd love to dive in that offline sometime that there's some that's some really cool
1: i got some yeah cool and that's why I actually it's not lame answer it's a good answer because i'm looking for an answer to this question and i really haven't gotten a good one from even really bright friends of mine
0: in the business yet so it's a great question it's a great question i love it okay all right let's keep all right magic moment in your life you've had some great moments what's one moment that you won't forget Oh, Lord, there's just
1: been so many, man. The first time we sold out the the legendary 930 Club in Washington, D.C., that's 1,300 tickets, and we played four encores, and the crowd wouldn't stop clapping. They wouldn't let me start the fourth encore. Every time I'd go up to clap, to start singing, they'd get louder until it just broke me down and I started sobbing because it was just one of those moments, you know, you'll never forget
0: as long as you live. Oh, man, I'm feeling that right there. All right. Final four. What's one thing you've done to stand out in business or in life? God, I that's, a, that's a tough one. I
1: don't know because I don't even like, sometimes I don't like standing out. I want to be like one of the guys, you know, like, <laughs> but clearly I live differently than what I'm saying. One thing I've done to stand out, I guess I've just said yes to a lot of crazy stuff. You know, like, will you come to the overseas and go land on an aircraft carrier and play for the troops? That scares me, but I say yes. And that makes you stand out because when you show up at a dinner party, not everybody has done that. Saying
0: yes has kind of been the... I think that's been amazing. I mean, you said yes to people proposing when you're singing the song Diamond. You've had some cool proposals. You said yes to a lot of things at your shows that have been pretty special.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's there it is. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. What's some of the best advice you've received? Uh, Take care of the work and the work will take care of you. When you're sitting there trying to figure out how do we market, marketing's important. I'm not saying it's not. Obviously, it's a big thing, but it all begins with the product. It mm-hmm. just begins with the product, and if you're taking good care of that product and making sure that it's great, then it's
0: gonna take care of you. I believe that. I think Steve Martin said it: be so good that they can't ignore you. Focus on that product, make it so great they can't ignore you. Hundred percent. Love that. All right, we're gonna skip one. We're go to that final one here. How do you want to be remembered?
1: I would like my legacy to be that I, I always say using words and intention with the hopes of a positive legacy for my family. And I like to be remembered for my words and my insights and as a family man,
0: that I was deeply committed to what it means to be a part of a family. I love it. My wife, family's favorite song is Roots and Wings, which you talk about that and that concept of giving roots and wings to your family. So you definitely yeah. contribute to them and a lot of your work and Steven, it's been a joy, a pleasure, man. I'm telling you what you're doing to create fans, very different, very unique. And you know, you're staying true to who you are, which means a lot. So, uh,
1: Well, it's a great to be on here with you, Jesse. I feel the same way about you, and I, I can't wait till we can hang again. Down there, up here. I'm looking forward to seeing the
0: bananas in action, man. Yeah, we'll have some fun. We'll have some fun. So where can people, I mean, just search Stephen Kellogg. Where can they find out more? You get the book? You can. I
1: mean, obviously, there's Facebook and there's Instagram. But what I would say is I'm getting back into the website because I just like it's one center for everything. So StephenKellogg.com. It's spelled S-T-E-P-H-E-N-K-E-L-L-O-G-G.com. So if you search that, I feel like our site has the things we want people to know about. It's got the tour stuff. You can watch videos there. You can see what the merchandise is. You can, there's blogs. It's like, that's kind of the spot. But you can find more about me just by going and doing whatever you want to do.
0: You're making a difference, my friend. Thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate everything you're doing. Thank you, Jesse. Jesse. Thanks for listening to Business Done Differently, where we believe whatever is normal, do the exact opposite, and that standing out is the best way to grow your business. For more information about the guest and topics covered on this episode, visit findyouryellowtux.com or shoot me a note at jesse at findyouryellowtux.com. Until next time, stop standing still, start standing out.